0: Time to rewind. It's the Chris and Amy
2: Rewind Recap. I'm looking. John, I'm. Yeah? I've been sitting here for a year or something. Yeah. And we're getting ready to start the segment, and I'm looking around for the button. The button? It's right there. To turn it on? Yeah, yeah, the
0: turn it on button. Like I forgot. You forgot where the button was. Bro. Wow. What that's, is that? Uh, that's a bad sign. Is that what they call a senior moment? That's not good, man. I mean, Damn. even at my advanced age, I know where the button is. I'm looking on the left, and I don't sit in the same spot all the time. And it's on the right. It's always on the right. The, the
2: button. button is on the right, and yeah. I'm over here looking at the left.
0: You got the the button Woo. on the right and the plugs on the left. So I guess if that's what that is, the plug of the button. It. That's yeah. all you need to know in this business. Plug and the button. You got the plug, you got the button, you got the microphone.
2: Uh, you'll never guess, but Amy Marks course is on vacation. She's it's, back tomorrow. Uh, that's gonna be quite an event. So John, forgot what she sounds like. I got John Hancock with me today. Uh oh, I totally remember what she sounds like. Yeah. It's like this. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> uh you two are something else. Chris, <laughs> aren't we fun? Yeah, you are fun. Yeah, we're really fun. So I like uh, the show. It's a gr- it's it, a great show. I mean, despite show. what everybody else says, I I like everybody the show. else. Well, I the, mean. the Chris and Amy show is top
0: it, tier. It, top drawer, top, top drawer. drawer, top I shelf. Think, you, you, yes,
2: yeah, it's on the top shelf. Up you not getting that uh, that garbage vodka, you're getting the good, gray goose. It's real good stuff. We're like the gray goose. Yeah, We're like yeah. the Kettle One. You're that's you're right. Kettle all of, One, all of, all of it. Midday shows. Yeah. So uh, we did start the show off by talking about New Hampshire it and, is a and Kettle and, One right now. No, you couldn't. No, of course not. When's the last time you've had a beverage? I got my club soda right here. Well, what normally goes into a club soda, little kettle one, um, but you don't do that. I don't do, I don't drink vodka, now. Oh. What do you have? Hmm? What do you have?
0: Nothing, right? Uh, no, I, I'll have a glass You'll of dabble? wine. You'll Oh, yeah. Okay. I had a glass of wine last night. You did? With my with my cod, uh, cod loins we had for
2: dinner last oh. night. And, uh, I thought cod was a code for, like, a family member. No, no, it's fish. It's ah, I'm a, hanging out with my cod. For cod, put some, uh, yes, capers, I know.
0: put some capers on the cod, and uh, it was rather tasty. We had some mashed potatoes with the cod. No, no, we didn't. We <laughs> had the uh, we had the squash and zucchini with the with the cod last
2: night. So Jan making a healthy dinner uh, for her That's father wonderful. and me. That's yeah, wonderful. That's really it was, nice. It was lovely. So we talked oh, about yeah. recap. Uh, right Sorry. off the show. Yeah, right at the beginning of the show, we were mm-hmm. talking about New Hampshire and what is coming up and um, Donald Trump's decisive victory over both Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, who who were within a couple of percentage points of each other. So not like a, a resounding second place finish for DeSantis. But uh, one thing that Michael and I talked about yesterday was the fact that gap was not very big, despite the fact Nikki Haley's... I, I wouldn't say she punted on Iowa, but she didn't invest as much time as DeSantis did. She certainly didn't put a ground game in
0: places, which you have to do. If you're going to really compete in Iowa, you've got to have a very well-funded ground game. Um, and I was surprised at the ground game that the Trump campaign had put together in Iowa. Uh, but they did. They had one. And and DeSantis certainly had a, a very well-funded ground game. I mean, that campaign, his, he spent what 150 million dollars so far i mean and these it's just not going to happen for the poor guy
2: and trump didn't do anything and he won by 30 points yeah it's pretty incredible and we also discussed um where the political parties are now and how far to the ends they have actually moved and you you know you mentioned something that i had not ever really considered the the question to you was is the right gone more right than the left has gone left, and to a greater degree, mm-hmm. because the assumption is that both parties are moving to the extremes at an equal rate and an equal pace, and I just don't believe that to be true. And you said you think that the Democrats and the left, probably six to eight years behind the pace of where the Republicans are, but they are moving that direction. Yeah,
0: and it started sooner uh, on the in the Republican Party, this kind of, and I call it a realignment because that's really what's happening. Uh, people are, are identifying as Republicans now that 10, 15 years ago were either independents or in many cases they were Democrats. And and you're beginning to see some folks that have been Republicans who now consider themselves independents. And that's all a process of the parties changing and shifting. And that, that is a fairly regular process throughout American history. So what we're going through now isn't anything new it's different, but it's not anything new.
2: A texter to 314-436-7900 asking, what are the chances of those of us in the middle being a big enough quantity to make a third party or rank choice voting system possible? So, you know, I I toyed around with
0: supporting rank choice voting a couple of years ago. I thought maybe that that's a way to get less extreme people elected to office. problem with ranked choice voting is, in my opinion, that you end up, if you take a, a place that's predominantly one party and the minority party has one candidate in that field and the majority party has two or three candidates in that ultimate choice, the odds of the minority-supported candidate winning are much greater in a ranked choice system. And that's that's kind of anti-democratic in a way. Uh, so I don't know that that's the answer to the question of can a third party emerge. I don't think a third party will have any kind of success long term in this country because of the way our elections are done. If we had a, a parliamentary system like they have in some countries where you you get representation, if you get a third of the vote, you've got a third of the seats in the legislative chamber. Uh, it would be different Then you would have. Uh, certainly a centrist party emerge more likely is that um, you know the, the and, and the parties are as we just discussed in America are very malleable. They'll change. They'll shift. They'll they'll have different policy uh, perspectives, and and that is more likely to happen than you know. Uh, do I think a centrist wave will come back to the parties at some point? I do, but I don't think anytime soon.
2: Something dramatic, I believe, will have to happen in order for that to occur? Usually. And I don't know what dramatic would look like.
0: Well, it would look like a complete shellacking. Uh, So if... I'll just throw this out there. I don't think this is going to happen, but if it did, if the Republican Party gets annihilated in 24, Trump loses badly to Biden or whoever the Democrats run. And the Republicans take a 40-seat loss in the House of Representatives and the Democrats end up with a 8 to 10-seat majority in the U.S. Senate, you know, if that happened, then there'd be a a complete, you know, soul-searching effort. The Republican Party will not look the same if that happens. Is that that even possible, though, with the way districts are drawn? Um, It's possible. Yeah. I mean, we've had we've had within the last decade, we've had 40 seat shifts in the house in elections the 2010 election, the 2014 election, both of those massive gains for Republicans.
2: That's true, but I would also I would almost argue that 10 years feels like an eternity. Yeah. And things are so much different than they were 10 years ago. Yeah,
0: they are. Uh and and I'm not I'm not suggesting that I think that's going to happen that they're going but to be this massive collapse. But that's what it would take yeah. for the Republican Party's trajectory to change.
2: We also visit with Thane Rosenbaum, who is the um, CBS News legal analyst, the Trump trial, uh, the defamation trial with E. Gene Carroll ongoing today.
1: The trial is not about whether it happened or or whether he denied it. The court is saying we already decided you did it and you denied it. Um, but we're really deciding on another level of damages referring to when you were president.
2: And, of course, E. Jean Carroll has accused uh, former President Trump of sexual assault. And um, a jury did find previously that, that it did happen. So now it's about how much money she will be awarded because she is arguing that he defamed her and caused her harm after the fact. Um, they are arguing that, well, she's actually doing quite well since all of this went down, so you can't say that we uh, harmed her in any way. Uh, we'll, I guess we'll find out, though.
0: We will. Uh, jury selection, I think, was supposed to start today. Yeah. So you're, you're a ways away from having any kind
2: of final adjudication there. We also had Creed Bratton. If you yeah. watched The Office, if you ever saw The Office, uh, you know who Creed is from that show. He also does a live show with music and comedy, and he will be at City Winery coming up a week from today. I'm a little nervous as I get older about things. So basically, well, I'll come out and I'll do about a half a song. And then I'll run to the side and hide behind the curtains to see the reaction <laughs> of the audience. And then I see they're kind of like, oh, that's pretty, it's all right. Then I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll be, oh, okay. So then I'll walk back and finish the song. Same way with the jokes. It takes a while to get through the whole show with this. But
1: I, I'm trying to I'm trying to work my way, to have a little more faith in myself on this tour and work and continue on.
2: He's in the midst of a City Winery tour in Boston right now, but he will be here January 24th. Tickets are available at citywinery.com. The show gets started at 730. And, of course, either of the interviews you missed or any of the segments John and I have done today, they're all available on the Odyssey app. It's a, like magic. Uh, it's unbelievable. Mm. It's like a whole radio in your phone. Which all, it's got a computer in here.
0: There's a lot going on. It's got a
2: calculator. Yeah. Got a tip calculator. Yeah, it does. Um, Yeah. Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, totally free. Listen to the show, podcasts, uh, listen live. Cardinals baseball, which is coming up. I mean, hell, we're what? Less than a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. I know, dude. It's crazy. I can't wait. So we are very, very close to spring training baseball. Yes. And then when that happens, we're close to uh, regular season baseball. And you can catch those games on the Odyssey app.
0: Yeah, And there's nothing. I love listening to spring training games on the radio. Uh, just ever since I was a little kid. Interesting. Was, it's a big, I don't know, it's kind of like the beginning of... Spring is right around the corner. You know, things are be growing and becoming new. Life is springing up all around us, and the Cardinals are playing baseball. Something very romantic about that
2: for me. I love spring training, but only if I get to go to it. Yes. Which I, I've done a lot. Um, I don't really like watching spring training games. I not like, anymore. Uh, I, not anymore. I like
0: the radio, man. I mean, you hear Rooney's voice, you know, and now. Ricky oh, and Klaib's joining.
2: There is. I, I will say this. There is something about it being February. Yes. So, I, so I guess games usually start late February, early March. Early March, March yep. Um, I, I can look here real quick and see when the first March game is, but um, or spring training game. But to, to for it to be like 30 degrees out yeah. and you're driving around yes. and you turn it on and there's baseball yes. on the radio.
0: Nothing like it. That is
2: great. Yeah. that's a really great. Sensation. I will make
0: I will make a point to have an errand to run when the when the spring training calendar rolls around, so I can listen to Cardinal baseball on KMOX.
2: It unbelievable, yeah. and the Odyssey app. Hmm. That's John Hancock. I'm Chris Ranji. You've got KMOX. Just uh, to follow up real quick, John, the first spring game yes. for the Cardinals, yeah. and I don't know when the broadcast schedule is I'm trying to find it Uh, I feel like I should know but I don't know it the first game though is February 24th nice that's early wow yeah against Miami of course that'll be at um, at in Palm Beach yeah Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium taking on the Marlins Saturday February 24th that is the very first spring game for the Cardinals and we are now five weeks away from baseball yeah five weeks away from competition lovely Lovely. You get to see a bunch of numbers you've never, you know, you get to see like eighty six. Yeah, number eighty six with no name. I think Albert Pujols
0: wore number eighty one in his first spring with the Cardinals. Of course, he made the team. He wasn't expected to make the team out of that spring training in two thousand one. It could be, Uh, but I he wore a high. He had a high number. I don't remember. Isn't that that's wild,
2: right? Thinking back to that time, and I do remember kind of paying attention to what was happening. Uh, with him and they, people kept talking about Albert. He had a great and spring. How, gr- how great he was during spring, yeah. and there was actual question about whether or not he was going to break camp. Yeah, because Tony
0: uh, Larusa was kind of notorious for not wanting a lot of rookies around, right? And the Cardinals' third baseman going into that spring training was a fellow named Bobby Bonilla. And Bobby Bonilla got hurt in spring training and it created a roster spot. Albert was tearing the cover off the ball and he made the team and the rest is, you know, baseball history.
2: What do you make of this, John? Switching topics Uh, on to the uh, this past week, the Iowa caucus has happened. As we mentioned, uh, former President Trump did really well, getting over 50 percent of the vote, 51 percent to be precise in Iowa. So he won. He wins that state. New Hampshire is coming up. The night of the results coming in, and it's very quick, usually, where the results come in, and uh, a lot of people took exception with the fact that there was only something like 1% of all the votes counted, right. and they had already called it for Trump. Yeah, And you had DeSantis uh, supporters and Haley supporters saying, what, what is this? Why are they... I mean, mathematically, it's just kind of how it works, right? Well, they had like the, and they nefarious. had the
0: entrance polls. I mean, they they yeah. pulled the delegates as they're walking in, and they knew. I mean, and the other interesting thing, for as much of a beating as public opinion polling has taken, the public opinion polling on that caucus result was right on the money. I mean, almost
2: spot on. Yeah. And he spoke in the aftermath. And I will say this about uh, him. Um I think, and I don't think I'm alone in this, it's not even a think. He, he uses language that's, most of the time, that's pretty sharp, and it is, um, you know, he takes shots at people yep. pretty consistently. He does. He's been referring to DeSantis as Ron DeSanctimonious, mm. and Nikki Haley, he's been going after her as well. The speech that he gave, the first about five to ten minutes of it, In Iowa, the night of of the caucuses was pretty I mean, that's the way I want to hear a president talk, you know, saying things like even if it's just talk, I want to hear him say things like we need uh, liberals and conservatives and everybody to get together and work together. And I'm like, oh, that's not typical of him. They dumped out of his speech. CNN did. They showed the first about 10 minutes of it. NBC must have done something similar or they didn't show it they at all. They didn't show it at all. They didn't show it well, at all.
0: Well, MSNBC didn't show it at all. I'm sure NBC had their regular network programming going yeah. on.
2: Yeah. But as soon as he started talking about immigrants and he, you know, he, it kind of went off the rails as it typically does. And right. so CNN dumped out and they went back to their own programming. But the first part of it, I thought, okay, that's how a president should talk. That's, that's what it sounds like. Well, he as you can imagine, took exception with the fact those two networks did not air either any of it or all of his speech.
3: It was amazing. NBC and CNN refused to air my victory speech. Think of it because they are crooked. They're dishonest. And frankly, they should have their licenses or whatever they have taken away. They put on they put on Nikki Haley. She came in third, a distant third. Like, I mean, a distant third. And they put on run to sanctimonious, who came in a boring second. <laughs> <laughs> a boring there it is. Second. There it is. Oh
2: my god, a boring second. Okay, so I, I take uh, issue with the idea of where we need to. They need to lose their broadcast licenses right. because they didn't show my speech. That's ridiculous. But I-, I wonder if how much of this is bluster and how much of it is serious, because he goes after the media all the time. And he has alluded to the fact that he wants to um, end networks like MSNBC. I think that's totally dangerous, whether or not you like it. And I think Fox News is not a particularly good network for the country. But I don't think that we should have the government get rid of it. That's dangerous talk. I hate it. Well, you
0: know, the broader question here, and it's somewhat interesting to posit, is that there's this – narrative out of the Biden campaign that democracy is under assault and that that we're going to lose our democracy if Donald Trump gets elected. And they cite things like, you know, going after the free press and things like that. If Trump is elected, it is going to be interesting to see how our institutions respond to that. The FCC is not going to go pulling licenses, are they? I I hope not. Uh, Are we going to pull out of NATO?
2: Good. I mean, there's, it's going to be interesting. It may be bad. <laughs> we'll, I, I guess we'll see. Uh, John Hancock and Chris Ranji today with you. You're listening to KMOX. It is the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. Chris Ranji. But today we've got John Hancock in for Amy Marks who will be back tomorrow, um, we think. We go to the Quiver River Electric guest line this afternoon, and there is a new program through the uh, EPA, which is called a Clean School Bus Program. And uh, the intent, from what I understand, and we're about to get more information on it, is to um, have school districts with more environmentally friendly buses. So electric buses, I suppose. And to talk about that with us, We have Megan McAllister, the EPA Region 7 Administrator, and also Amy Book, who is the Air and Radiation Division Deputy Director, uh, with us here on KMOX. We appreciate your time today. How are you?
4: Hi, we're great. How are you?
2: We're doing okay. And Megan, let's start with you. So just a general overview of what this program is and why you believe it is important.
4: Well, this program is basically designed to help protect clean air for our kids all across the country, of course. But I'm really excited. Last week, we at EPA Region 7 announced um, these clean school bus grants. And I'm really excited to say that students in the St. Louis area will be able to benefit from this by getting some some clean school buses into those districts.
2: Where specifically is this going to happen?
4: So we have two school districts that will be receiving um, buses directly. Ferguson-Florescent has been selected to receive a little over $6 million, which will translate into about 16 um, clean school buses. And then also the Rittner School District will receive about nine and a half million to purchase 24 clean school buses. So that's very exciting. And then we also have two bus operators, uh, First Student and Highland who will be receiving funding. And uh, through Highland, uh, Normandy Schools and then also St. Louis Public Schools will be receiving uh, 10 buses, about 10 buses and 30 buses respectively. So it's a really huge investment in clean school buses in the region and specifically in the St. Louis area. And we're just really thrilled to be able to bring this news.
0: And this was part of one of the one of the acts that was passed within the last couple of years. Is that right?
4: Yep, that's correct. Uh, this program, the Clean School Bus Program, is funded through the bipartisan infrastructure law, and it's about a five five billion dollars program um, over a number of years. And right now, we have been announcing the grant program and then also want to make sure that people are aware that we have the clean school bus rebate program which is also currently accepting applications and those are due by January 31st so if people didn't get buses in this last round we want to make sure that they that they still apply
0: yeah school buses are expensive it's a major cost to to school districts across the country uh, these are, are the clean buses about the same cost as the traditional buses, or are they quite a bit more expensive?
3: So, hi there. This is Amy Book, and the the clean school buses are a great investment for these school districts. Uh, they can save in, in maintenance costs, um, and so although there's a little bit of a change here in practices, the clean school buses are a great investment for the school districts um, and they save in maintenance costs, and the drivers have been very impressed with the um, operations that we've seen so far in the region.
2: So let's, let's talk about, um, I guess, the science of it. Just how much better are they than, than a typical school bus, and, and what are the lasting effects of it? So over, say, a five- or ten-year period?
3: So currently, you know, diesel engines and diesel buses um, are the source of air pollution like particulate matter and nitrogen oxides where an electric school buses don't contribute any of that pollution. So for sensitive populations, for children, it's, a, it's an immense uh, benefit to not have diesel buses operating or idling around their schools or on their neighborhoods.
2: Have you been able to, Amy, measure just how, what, what is the actual effect on the kids who are at the schools? And, you know, you're talking about the buses idling in on the school property. Are there, is there actual data that, that shows that kids are at greater risk just by virtue of the, of the standard bus, you know, the, the gas fueled bus uh, being there on the property?
3: Sure. So that's a great question. Um, we believe that, that the students will see a very tangible impact uh, we don't have monitors everywhere in the in the metro area but diesel do contribute substantially to air pollution in the area so anything we can do to reduce and take out emissions is a benefit um, over time we expect to see as this program rolls out it's a it's a fairly new program in the respect that we have a, a lot of money that we're able to offer uh, to communities. So we see we suspect that we're going to see more and more benefit uh, with more programs being rolled out and helping the area as a, as a region um, reduce their emissions.
2: Megan, uh, so this is federal funding, correct? And is this funding that is designated specifically for this so, like for example, it, it's not a situation where you're getting so whatever amount of millions, and the school district can decide what to do with it. This has to be used for the bus program.
4: Yeah. So the, the yes, this is federal funding, and again, this was funded through uh, the bipartisan infrastructure law, which I know I know um, uh, we've talked a lot about, um, especially in the St. Louis area. But this program, the clean school bus program, is specifically designed for replacing those old diesel buses and, and getting you know clean school buses, electric buses into these school districts. So yes, it's designed for the buses specifically. But also I would highlight um, that the charging infrastructure. Um, one thing we've gotten a lot of questions about as we've been rolling out this program is, okay, you know great, we can get an electric school bus,, you know, but how are we going to charge it? And, and so that charging infrastructure is something that is also funded through this program. So schools can get the clean school bus itself, the electric school bus itself, and then also the charging infrastructure for it. So they can they can run the bus and they can charge the bus through this program.
0: Are we seeing a lot of school districts across the country um, sort of going this direction on their own?
4: Uh, I, I don't know if they're going this direction on their own. I know we, there's certainly been a lot of interest in going this direction. What I will say is when we had the first round of um, funding, when we very first launched this program, we had so much interest that we ended up, I think, doubling, doubling the investment in the first round because we had so much interest from across the country, from all different types of school districts, urban, um, rural, you name it, we had a lot of interest. And, and so we're, we're excited to be able to keep providing this funding because I think it's something that people really need and students, um, teachers, parents have all expressed how grateful they are to have this type of program so that kids can, you know, be riding on a bus that, that isn't polluting their air, um, kind of on a greater level, but also at an acute level, you know, it's. If if a student is lining up to get on an electric bus, they're not breathing, you know, those diesel fumes when when they're standing there waiting to get on the bus. So, so yes, we've had a lot of interest in the program.
2: It, has there been any pushback?
4: Um, not that I've heard, to be perfectly honest. I mean, of course, there are always things that people need to consider. Um, you know, when you think about the... Um, extreme cold that a lot of us have been experiencing lately uh, one of the questions that came up was okay but how are these electric buses going to be impacted by the cold for example so maybe that was kind of a pushback but you know similar to all to all electric vehicles the um, the the charge maybe you know the amount of um, distance that you can drive may be impacted a little bit but on the flip side a lot of Diesel buses won't even start when it's when it's so cold. You know, diesel fuel will will gel up. And I even just this morning had a coworker who who had to um, pivot this morning and find other arrangements and and drive her child to school because they heard very last minute that the their diesel buses were not um, able to start and weren't able to pick up. So.
2: Megan, Amy, we appreciate the time today. Thank you for the information.
4: Hey, thank you. Thank you.
2: Megan McAllister, EPA Region 7 Administrator administrator and the Air and Radiation Division Deputy Director uh, from Region 7, Amy Book with us on KMOX. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. You seem to have a problem with it. Like, I don't care. Like, what the hell do I care?
0: I'm sure they're both very wonderful Uh, women. Why do you have a thing against
2: electric vehicles?
0: Uh, I don't have a problem with electric vehicles, but I would hasten to point out that we never got an answer to how much these things cost vis-a-vis a a regular school bus. does it cost you anything? Well, of course it does, because it's a federal government. And and there's a lot of interest in free buses. Now, that's shocking news. A school district is interested that they can get a bunch of free buses. Of course they're interested in getting free buses. Well, because if the market Wanted. If school districts were clamoring for electric buses, guess what? They'd be buying them. They'd be replacing their existing buses with electric buses. Why are they not buying electric buses? Because they're not cost effective. And now here's the federal government stepping in and spending money that we don't have in this country. Uh The massive debt that we've added uh, over the course, whether it was that infrastructure bill, whether it was the – Whatever, keep America great, or the PPP program of the Trump administration—we were just handing money out of this federal government. The market will take care of this. You and I grew up breathing diesel fumes our yeah, entire not lives, good. and uh,
2: it's decidedly well, bad. Well, I mean, we have
0: made it this far. Well, this and, far. And, and so uh, my point is, my point is, and and I didn't want to get into it with with our friends that work at the EPA, and I'm sure they're very.
2: Well, and they're just doing their jobs. I mean, they well, get, yeah, I mean, they're trying to right. keep people from polluting stuff, which I think yeah. is good.
0: Yeah, but the federal government handing out this—this this is the kind of this is why I'm a conservative, Ron. I, I this kind of stuff drives me crazy. We don't have money for it. Oh, sure. And we do. so here's a here's here's a what's she say? A five billion dollar program. Five billion dollars to buy school buses for school districts. We should uh, see
2: what our defense budget well, is. Well, exactly. I'm, you, I'm, I'm, which, which. Uh, let's if we're going to start cutting, let's start cutting where we know most of it is, and it's in defense. And I most promise of it, you, most of it is which, in entitlements. Uh, I it, it, promise you, John. There's as much as people want to cut entitlements, um, which are social programs that do actually help poor people, and do. I think that's good um the defense budget i guarantee you we could have still the strongest military in the world and there's a lot of bloat in there there is a lot we of bloat we could cut the a th- lot from yeah, the defense
0: I, budget i i will grant you and still a lot have of a bloat. powerful military but the federal government buying school buses i mean this is uh, wow when we don't have the money for it i mean it's just that simple that's
2: a kind of you know it's a nice thing to do i suppose but yeah, uh, we don't have the money for it. Well, I look forward to the next Republican president coming in and not spending money. <laughs> That'll right. be. Let me know when that happens let in twenty fifty. Let me let at me that know budget. when that happens <laughs> in forty years. You let me at that federal budget, I'll <laughs> take care of it. Have You ever seen the movie Dave? No. Uh, well, maybe I have. What's it about? Uh, Kevin Klein, St. Louis's own oh, yeah, Kevin Klein. Yeah. He's in it, yeah. and the president looks like him. And he has a cardiac event or a stroke or something. And
0: he stands in. I have seen this movie.
2: Yes. And so he's supposed to just be the figurehead until the next election. I'm looking more like Biden every day. And this guy comes in. This guy comes in and they see sits down with the cameras on him and he balances the budget. Yeah. Sorry to spoil this one for you, but they're sitting at that conference room table. Whatever that conference room is called. There it is. And they said, "Well, what do we need this? The cabinet room." Yes. The cabinet members are sitting around yes. and they all just get to work with a pen and paper and they balance the the federal budget and everybody applauds. That's how that we the used end to do it. it. You know, back when Coolidge was that president. That never happened in 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 the last 150 years. Oh no, Calvin Coolidge Hundred years ago,
0: was doing this very th- same thing, really? balancing our budget. With yes, a, with a quill and every paper? day they and were cutting. Parchment? They were cutting government spending
2: of his administration every day. I love the idea of Calvin Coolidge using parchment. He was a great guy, was he? Oh, a great president, very underrated president. He, uh, who is it? The guy you hate? Is it Wilson? Not, not a fan of Wilson. No. Oh, yeah. Okay,
0: In Woodrow context, Wilson. Yeah.
2: Uh, Amy, for some reason, has a visceral hatred for Woodrow Wilson, which is the. I, how do you have hatred for somebody who's been? <laughs> well, he
0: was like, a, I, 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 he was a bad hombre, and historians have reevaluated – He was once considered to be a great, a near great president by historians, not anymore.
2: Mm. Anyway, so um, that's John Hancock. He got
0: me wound up with the electric
2: buses rising. <laughs> well, Something had to do with yeah, it. Yeah, right, right. But well, look at us caring I'm over about it the now. Envo- we're over here caring about the environment. <laughs> I care and it, and it environment. pisses John off like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> John Hancock and Chris Ranji on KMOX. Uh. Oh, oh. <laughs> ah. John just told a joke that we can never, ever in a million years repeat, and I can't believe it. No
0: words were inappropriate in the joke, but it's not. It's not suitable for airing. <laughs> in case my in case, my pastor is listening. <laughs>
2: Holy monkey! Wow, that's yeah. a great joke. Uh, it, it, well, it wasn't a is, joke. It was. I mean, it I, was, well, I know, it, but it, I mean, it. It kind of is. It was a
0: Jack Buck story. So Buck how story. how inappropriate could it possibly? You be? do a great Jack Buck. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Here are the Cardinals. Yep. See, I used to do a a, a thing where I did uh, Jack Buck. Uh, and John Ashcroft shows up in the booth oh, no. and, uh, it was this whole little skit I did back and forth and cause I could, back then I was able to impersonate John Ashcroft when people remembered what he sounded like, you know? So that was my big claim to fame on the floor of the legislature. <clears throat> I'd go up and I'd do my John Ashcroft impersonation to get my amendments passed. <laughs> and, uh, more often than not, the Democrats would vote for it cause they liked it. Cause it, could you do it for me now? I could try. It's been, I haven't done Ashcroft in years. <clears throat> Let's see. I just want to thank the people of Missouri. You know, we want to reach our highest and best and not our lowest and least. And I'm deeply grateful. I'm grateful for you, Chris, for <laughs> everything you've done for the people of Missouri. All
2: right. I'll vote for you. I just
0: want you to reach the maximum of your God-given potential. All right. That's all I got. <laughs> we had Ted House on earlier this week. Yeah. Love Ted House. And he mentioned your
2: Ashcroft. Ted House is a great guy. Yeah, really we, good guy. We we did. We talked to him on Thursday or Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember which day, but it was he was yeah, it was he was a lot of fun. He loves John Hancock.
0: I love Ted House. I uh, years ago, I was we were trying to recruit. He was because Ted was a Democrat uh, state senator, and we were trying to recruit a candidate to run against him in the election. And I was the director of the party, so I was involved in the candidate recruitment. And uh, <laughs> so. The guy that we were recruiting, he said, "I can't beat Ted House." I said, "Oh yeah, sure." I said, "Let, let me let me poll the district. I'll convince you." Uh, we did a poll of the district, and I said, "Well, the the good news is you were right. You can't beat <laughs> Ted House." <laughs> so he ended up not running. I saved I saved him a lot of money there. Oh, uh, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. yeah, no, I was glad he couldn't beat. Ted.
2: I liked Ted House. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. We've only spoken to him once, but he yeah. seems great. Great guy. So I guess this is it, John. We're going to do it again Friday for a little bit. Yeah, we are. It'll be you and uh, Michael Kelly. Yeah. Amy Marks Kors will be back. That's something you don't see every day, the four wow. of us together. Wow. Wow. Um, so any of the interviews you missed, we just had the, the folks from the EPA on. Creed Bratton from The Office was on. Yeah. Uh, Thane Rosenbaum. All of it available on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y and KMOX.com. The Dave Glover Show is next. I'll be back with you tomorrow at 10 o'clock with Amy Marks Cores on the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX.